Hey guys, my guest is David Benner, and together we're going to be discussing ghost hunting and logical explanations. Be right back. Grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey guys, how's everybody doing today? Almost there to the weekend. What did I do to Jack? Look. Is it weird? Okay, there we go. Unexplainable things to Jack today. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. 45 strong up and down the state, which means we can help you out if you have a paranormal need. We may not be able to get to you right away because California is a big state, but we will uh, get someone even to call you to help you out until we can. That being said, uh, if you're watching from Facebook today, and a lot of you are, and you haven't done so already, please feel free to hit that follow button, because we're always looking for followers. And if you like what you see here tonight, please be sure to hit that like button and the happy faces and the hearts, and just show us some love. Just show us some love. Because what that does is that puts us up higher in the FYP on Facebook, and the computer moves us out to more people. And uh, that being said, uh, if you have somebody in the house that you might want to share the show with feel free to do that or like i said we're looking for more one more, more followers youtube same thing if you haven't subscribed yet please be sure to do that there's over 800 videos over you know sitting on youtube and they're all different topics and i have them put in the categories if you like ufos uh uaps there's a category for that if you're into cryptids there's a category for that and if you're in if you're, you're a big fan of second nancy masses she's got her own folder too so check out our youtube page um again likes follow you know likes follows and all that good stuff because that puts us up high in their FYP as well. All right. If you want to find us, you can find us on Facebook under California Haunts, California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, California Haunts Ghostly Events, the Sacramento Sears, S-E-E-R-S, -E as in Greek Sears. You can find us there. You can also find us on TikTok under California Haunts. You can find us on Twitter under California Haunts. YouTube, California Haunts Radio. It would be youtube.com forward slash at California Haunts Radio. Uh, Instagram, uh, ghosty gal, all lowercase, and I believe Twitch, we are Cal Hans. Okay, that being said, I've got a good show lined up for you today. Real excited. Uh, I've, I've known this gentleman for years, and I have a lot of respect for the way he, he runs this paranormal team. In fact, we based, a, I have to admit that we based a lot of the way we run our paranormal team on what I learned from his paranormal team. So I'll let you. I'll, I'll let him introduce himself and all that good stuff. So uh, without further ado, let me get this going here. Push my buttons. The right button. Hey, I got the right button. First try for everything. All right. So here we go. Let me bring Dave on in. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm tired, but I am doing well. Hanging <laughs> in there. I'm tired too myself. Ready for the, uh, I'm having a little bit of a break coming up, so it'll be nice. Yeah. Yeah. So tell everybody about you because, you know, you've been on here before, obviously, but uh, for, the, for the newer people that are here, tell us about you. 
Well, I first got started in the paranormal uh, back in Montana, where I'm from. <clears throat> um, my family is Native, Native American, and we spent a lot of time in tradition talking about ghosts, spirits, hauntings, kind of like talking about the weather. So it was commonplace for us. Um, and back when I got started uh, doing investigations, there weren't all the TV shows and mm -hmm. the internet wasn't even around at that point. So I saw a special on TV one day and thought mm, I could do that. So that's kind of how I got started is I just took a bunch of equipment that I had around the house, an outdoor thermometer, you know, a few different things, a camcorder and started investigating places there, mm -hmm. um, not knowing at all what I was doing. And it wasn't until I moved to California, ended up joining a team that, um, you know, we got really excited. We were going to do things, but it never really panned out. So that's when... I eventually formed my own group at the time, mm -hmm. you know, back in 2001. And through more trial and error, we kind of developed our own protocols over time mm -hmm. um, for, you know, experiencing the paranormal and, and investigating places. Mm -hmm. um, and then eventually we got to the point where once we stopped trying to prove things to people, that's when it became really easy. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's kind of been going ever since, you know, we take a break here and there and then we kind of get pulled back in and then we stop. And so now we're back in and doing more. So we're just um, still out there, you know, searching for things that go bump in the night and mostly trying to help families with kids that are experiencing issues that, you know, they're, they're uh, having uh, scared, being scared at night in their homes. So that's the, my main focus and emphasis at this point. Awesome. Now it makes me laugh when you talk about the way you started out doing this. I think what a lot of people don't realize is you really don't need all that fancy equipment. No. Um, I'm not, I'm not that big on the equipment side of it because I think it gives you, it can be a crutch for some people. And I think starting out, some people really mm -hmm. have that need to have something that they're doing and feeling like they're contributing. And I think a lot of times the places you go to, they feel the same way, like the homeowners or the business owners really want to see you doing something. Yes. So they really want to see the equipment that they've seen on TV and, you know, get an idea of what it's like. So I think a lot of the times it, it helps placate them a bit. And sometimes it'll help them make it feel a bit more comfortable when we come in um, to see the equipment, to know that, you know, what that's kind of what they know and what they've seen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, we've come in contact with that where we've gone in with what we don't have all that fancy stuff. We have a few fancy items, but nothing really, you know, really to write home about. And I know we've gone into investigations where the, the customer or the, the client was disappointed. Yeah. You know, what do you mean? You don't have this? You don't have that? We don't need that. We don't need that stuff to do the job. Just like early on when I put this team together, um, you know, I'm looking at the price of, of, of thermometers and and then one time they used those air conditioning thermometers. They were like eighty eighty dollars. Yeah. I started I started searching through eBay and I found these cooking thermometers with the probe. And they're only the only difference is like what one or two degrees in the yeah. way they measure. And they, they work the same way and they're seven bucks. It's only as good as the person that's using it. So you yeah. can have the, the fanciest piece of equipment that's really expensive, but if you don't know how to use it, it's not going to do any good. 
Um, I'd rather have basic equipment that people can use and understand and know what they're doing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you don't really have to have that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You can have a digital recorder or camcorder, well, camcorder. Now I'm dating myself, but, <laughs> um, and just basic EMF and, um, those kinds of things and, and really get good results. I mean, it's, it's also based, what is the end result? What are, what are you there to do? Mm-hmm. Is it confirmation? Is it proof? Is it, you know, what's the purpose of it? So it doesn't really require all of, all that equipment. It's the people that really make the difference with any investigation. Now, talking about proof and all that, tonight we were going to talk that, you know, I want to talk about <laughs> the, the logical part of paranormal investigating. You know, the part where we go through as investigators, and I, I know everybody hates the word debunk, but we go through and try and, try and debunk as much as possible. You're really good at that. Well, really I think part of it too is, um, you know, it. I have a social work background, so mm-hmm. spending time with people and talking with them and really getting to understand what's happening. If you truly listen to people, they will open up to you, and then you, you can pretty much do what you need to. Mm-hmm. So there really isn't that need for all the the fancy high tech equipment per se, but um, we're really just trying to figure out what it is that's happening and what are the things that are getting in the way that could be, could explain what it is that's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I was talking to somebody last night, a, 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 a psychic Linda Sullivan last night, and she was talking about how she's done, par- she, you know, she's gone into people's houses to do work and she, she prefers doing it over the radio and things like that. She's, you know, over the phone and all that, but uh, you know, she goes in occasionally to, do this work. And she was saying how, you know, she thinks logically enough that, you know, the woman's got scratching in her walls or scratching on her ceiling. And she, and, and then she asked her, do you by chance have rats or, or, you know, squirrels or something in there? And of course the client's going to go, Oh no, 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 no. And then I point, and then I pointed out, I said, yeah, that, that, that's when we whip out those fluorescent, you know, wands to go in and take a look. I mean, mm-hmm. to, to what extent do you guys go crawling through the attics and whatnot to try and find this stuff to check it out to make sure? If necessary, um, I think a lot of the times the information that that's why we use a prelim Mm -hmm. and the prelim is really important because we don't just look at what's going on in the location and what's going on with the people. Mm -hmm. Um, Because a lot of times there are certain mental health conditions that can look like paranormal activity. Mm -hmm. Are they on a bunch of different medications? Um, Are they using drugs and alcohol excessively? There's a lot of things you want to kind of tease out because if you don't tease those things out, then it's really hard to say what is mental health versus what's paranormal because they can look very similar in nature. So we have to rule all those kinds of things out. You know, do you live by uh, an area that there's train tracks? So there's a train coming by, you know, are there cars driving by. Um, I know when Ann does her EVP sessions, she will call out if someone talks or if someone coughs or sneezes, <clears throat> excuse me, like that, <clears throat> so that when she's reviewing the audio, it's on there. So it's not, you know, automatically assume it's something paranormal in nature. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So all those things have to be taken into consideration when you're going into a specific location. Well, I was just thinking as you were talking about it with the audio, I know it's taken me it took a few years before, you know, 
uh, wash machines can sound like voices mm -hmm. when they're on. And so I've, I've turned around and, and put together a data bank of these sounds so I can compare it. You know, compare them when I get them back in here. And I think it's really important to do that. And the, I think what a lot of people don't realize with terminal investigating, they see it on TV, but they don't realize that, like, so I don't want to knock the, you know, knock the younger teams because, you know, they're on a learning curve just like we were all those years. But what they don't realize is how much work it actually is and how much responsibility we have going into somebody's house and talking to them. Yeah, I mean, they, they're entrusting us to come in and mm -hmm. a lot of times they're telling us information that they're not going to tell anybody. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're putting a level of trust in us. So we have to really take that responsibility when we go in and, and talk to families or businesses for that matter. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> excuse me. And a lot of times it can be things like, are you picking up uh, radio waves? Because mm -hmm. you might get talking from that. That you can't necessarily see. Are you near a tower? Um, are you um, getting such high EMF within a location that it's causing, you know, hallucinations, trouble sleeping, nausea, all those kinds of things? And then as soon as they we have them unplug everything, they sleep fine, and then you know it stops. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, even with the houses, I mean, you go in looking to see what material the houses are made out of too. And how right. thin those walls are, yeah, because they could be hearing, you know, voices from outside as well. <clears throat> if you have a, an apartment complex and the walls are really thin, you're going to pick up on whatever is on the other side of the wall. Mm -hmm. If they have their radio or their TV on, even if it's low, you're going to hear that. It's going to sound like voices, especially if it's mm -hmm. late at night. You know, I have my TV on, <clears throat> um, but that's very common. So a lot of those things have to be looked at, especially during a prelim. That's why the prelim is so important is to go out and, and get an idea of what the location's like. Mm -hmm. What kinds of things could you, you know, factor in during that time that you're going to pass on to the, um, well, we call them debunkers. So, yeah. What are we going to pass on to them for them to kind of be aware of and look out for? Mm -hmm. So they can either recreate that or, you know, have an explanation for a particular sound or activity that, that they're experiencing. One thing I always found interesting, and I, I, did, I did a couple of cases like this, was a, a middle apartment. You, you know, like one of, like one of those condo style apartments that'll have like two apartments on the sides, one on top. And I always found it interesting because I, I, people were complaining that they had headaches and they were hallucinating in these places. And then when you go ahead and go in there with the EMF meter, it's like it's on fire because because they're mm -hmm. they're the one that's in the middle. And one of the things I found that actually helps with that is um, it's a mineral called shungite. I'm not sure if okay. you've heard of shungite. I haven't. Shungite is a <clears throat> it's a carbon-based uh, material. It's it's naturally occurring, and it's a black it's black. And you can purchase natural shungite, and it actually blocks EMF. Oh, that's um, cool. We've been you know we've done experiments where you have. Any item that gives off EMF, you take your uh, EMF detector, you place it in front of it, and it will show how high it's going. As mm -hmm. soon as you put the shungite in front of it, it cuts it out, almost down to zero. Oh, that's cool. i got to remember that. That's really yeah. cool. Another so, question I have is cell phones. Do you, do you allow cell phones on investigations at all, you know, for your team to carry them? I allow them to have them. I just don't 
we don't want them to have them the sound on and and um, you know we don't want them obviously going off. Um, and of course, when you're getting ready to do something like an EVP session, you want to make sure all that stuff is off or away so that you're not picking up on the vibrations or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes they're they're necessary if there's an emergency, something happens, you want to have something, you know, there. Right, right. The other thing we noticed, uh, just I forget which investigation it was we did, but certain um, motion detectors will be triggered by cell phones. Hmm. And we found this out. So I forget who the investigator was, but she kept getting text messages. Every time she got a text message, the the light would come on, on the motion detector. Yeah. So she that obviously it's picking up on that signal that's that's um, yeah. coming into the cell phone. Yeah. Well, that would be interesting just to have it as an experiment, you know, to, for people to see that too, because I'm sure that there's been times where families have probably had a motion detector like you said they're mm-hmm. they're walking around the house their phone rings and then it goes off and it kind of mm-hmm. startles them because they're not sure why that's happening mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the other thing we discovered and this is when we were still just beginning you know doing this stuff was you cannot get uh, emf meters close to thermometers or anything like that you have to keep them far, you have to keep a distance away mm-hmm. because it, it, because the temperatures will get all wacky and the emf will go off yeah, and it's a lot of trial and error. You know, it's it's you get certain pieces of equipment, you work with it, and over time, you really get to know the equipment. <clears throat> like we've been using the um, what's it called? Um, it's the one with the screen and the little pixel guy on it. Yeah, yeah. I'm blanking on the name of the it. Stick guy, yeah. Stick guy thing, yeah. Thing, yeah. We gotta stop being so scientific for everybody. <laughs> um, and you know, you get some interesting results on there. And um, I, you know, I think a lot of that stuff is is helpful to have. I mean, I think it helps. It gives people a visual when they're when they're doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the um, we have a thermal, you know, thermal camera sure. as well. So I think those are helpful tools as far as when you're mapping out a location, having them go through a location and seeing, okay, did you pick up something? And I think a lot of it's correlating everything together mm-hmm. to get a result as opposed to one piece of equipment picking up something randomly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just well, like the um, the natural tri-field right. meters that don't pick up on the you know the appliances and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We had the other traditional EMF detectors, and of course, you know, we're picking up on everything. So, right. and we didn't know at the time that oh, that was the refrigerator, that was you know the microwave. So it's a lot of trial and error for a lot of people, I think, when they're doing this. But utilizing that in conjunction with the um, the debunking specifically can be a big big help. Absolutely, I remember nights going just going through my house, you know, with the EMF meter, and seeing what would trigger it. When I take meticulous mm-hmm. notes and mentally mentally put that up here and go, okay, that's the refrigerator, you know, on the other side of the wall. This is this going off, you know, and this is the wiring over here. So that helps, you know, it helps to train people that way, you know, to say, yeah. hey, look, just take this thing home, take it through your house and, and, and see what triggers it so you know what's going to do it. And we would do, we would do trainings with new people like that. We would take them to locations 
let them try out the equipment and show them those kinds of things that they might experience so that mm -hmm. they can become more used to or familiar with those things as, as mm -hmm. we would investigate. Mm -hmm. So the more comfortable they got with it, you know, the better use of it they would make with it. And like you say, it is a lot of trial, you know, in the beginning, it's a lot of trial and error for you to, for people, you know, big learning curve for people to learn how, how to use that equipment, figure out what does trigger it. And, you know, like I said, with the sound and everything to like get recordings of different things, like you say, a TV in another room will sound like somebody talking, even if it's down low, because mm -hmm. the recorders are so sensitive. If you hold a digital recorder in your hand, you can pick up your pulse. Used to pick Depending up on the type of digital recorder you have. I used to pick up Van's heartbeat all the time. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then uh, when, when you go in and go when you go to debunk, what's one of the things you debunk? Like I've seen people take, you know, I've seen other teams take apart doorknobs just to see if there's something wrong with the doorknob. I wouldn't recommend taking apart somebody's doorknob unless, you know, you have somebody that really knows what they're doing with doorknobs. But, <laughs> um, and we've had people that there was an investigation years ago. This guy was super, super skeptical of everything. And there was a sound that was recorded of a door that closed that wasn't able to, and he could not wrap his mind around it. He stayed up for days trying to, figure out how that happened because he could not grasp the fact that something like that had happened. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of the things that we look at is heating, air conditioning, um, you know, sounds within the, within the home. Um, it really depends on what it is that they're experiencing. So if they're experiencing certain smells or um, they're seeing things, I mean, it really depends. So based on what they tell us, that's kind of will lead us in a direction to look at, you know, medications, mental health, even regular health issues. Um, anything like that can can kind of be something that we would start with. Mm -hmm. um, anything outside the home, um, you know, there are trees nearby that animals could climb on. So if they're hearing things in the attic. You know, can we go in the attic and take a look in the attic and see what is it they're describing? So a lot of it's figuring out exactly what it is that's that they're experiencing that we can go in and, and see what what is causing that. Mm -hmm. Is there a rational explanation for that particular event or sound? A lot of times there is. And then sometimes we can't find it. It might be something that in the walls of the home itself that we can't get to. It could be, you know, animals that are in the walls that may not be right then and there at that particular point. So it really depends on what it is that they're experiencing. And then can how can we look at that and find a you know plausible rationale for that? And that's where the debunkers will come in. That's their primary job is to go, OK, this is what they're experiencing. What could it possibly be? Now, let's go take a look at that and see if we can figure that out. So they're really like they're more like the detectives. Mm -hmm. Whereas everybody else on the team is kind of doing their own thing as far as the um, the equipment and the walkthrough and things like that. So it's nice how these pieces can fit together, too. Right, right. Do you try when you're recruiting on your team to get people that know construction and things like I mean, that? It's um, I think I've always, for me, I've always said that 
I can teach you how to investigate. I can't teach you how to care. And I think mm-hmm. you really have to care about what you're doing. You have to care about the people that we're going in to see. Mm-hmm. Um, it just so happens that a lot of people from different industries and, and backgrounds will join. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does help in that in, in those instances. I mean, I think we've had an engineer before um, who developed this amazing 20-page debunking form that was wow. a little too much. You know, it was they looked at everything and there was just stuff in there that, you know, we kind of had to cut it down over time because it's, it's just was way too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not an engineer. I don't, you know, I <laughs> don't know that kind of stuff. So I'm not measuring angles of, uh, you know, in places and right. how far away from the railroad tracks or the, you know, whatever it is to see if that correlates to some kind of, you know, explanation. Uh uh So, but I mean, I think it helps to have as many different kinds of people as possible because everybody brings something different to the team. Uh You have, you know, police officers who, you know, obviously they're good investigators. Uh You have um, people that work in hospitals, you know, they have big hearts, they care about people. Uh-huh. Um, you know, social workers, same thing. So I think, you know, you have to have a variety of people and teaching them how to investigate is easy. It's just, it's the other stuff that you can't really teach them that they have to have. Uh-huh. You know, they have to have that in them already. And I think that's what attracts people to this field is that a lot of people care, you know, about things that you can't see. Right. right. And for me, it it's always comes down to, you know, it's, it's still like social work, even if it's not something you can see. Because you still have to work with that family. And if you can get them to open up, like I said, they'll let you do anything you need to within that location. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, when you guys start to, you know, to, to look at things logically, how, how do you go about that? Do, during the prelim, do you make a, like you say, do you make a list of things for those guys, to, for the debunkers to look at in particular? Or do you look at that during the prelim a little bit, then, then you hand it off? Well, we have a list of questions and it's standard questions we ask everybody. So there's a lot of things on there about mental health, history, um, medications, you know, di- you know, anything like that, recreational right. drug use, um, things that can kind of explain certain things. And then as they get into the things that they're experiencing, like if they're hearing things up in the attic, for example, right. we will make note of that. And that's something we can pass on to the debunkers ahead of time and say, hey, this is one of the things that they're saying that they're experiencing it'll give them kind of some direction as to what to look at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're experiencing cold spots in the home, they know, okay, let me go check out the heating system and see if there's, you know, something's wrong with it or, you know, whatever may be with that. Mm-hmm. So those questions and that prelim really does help set up the rest of the investigation regardless of who's there. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to go and also kind of get an idea what the, what the location looks like. So we know how to plan for it. Um, but the debunkers will also get a copy of the prelim so they can go through those questions too to kind of see what areas they may want to focus on. And then throughout the course of the investigation, we'll kind of talk about stuff as it comes up and, and troubleshoot things like that. So, mm-hmm. Now, what about your psychic team? Do they get any uh, questions or, or, or any of that paperwork ahead of time or anything like that? Or do, do they go in cold? The people that are going to be sensitive for that night, they get nothing. We don't we don't give them the prelim information. We don't give them anything because we want them to go in cold. Mm-hmm. And we let them do the walkthrough first initially because um, that's when they're at their, their freshest. Mm-hmm. And that's when they're at their strongest. Mm-hmm. 
So we let them do that walkthrough initially as soon as we get there so that they can do what they need to do. Because sometimes it's very taxing on them um, going through locations, especially if they're picking up on a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So, but we want whatever information that they're getting to be not tainted from the prelim and putting any kind of preconceived notions in their head before they do go in. So whatever impressions they're getting or information they're getting from the location, then they will sit down with the homeowner after they've done their walkthrough and share that information with them. Okay. Okay. Are there any cases that you can tell us about where you guys have gone in and, you know, done, done the whole debunking thing and we were able to, uh, you know, say that it was from logical explanations? I will give you one that I consider to be like like the perfect case that we had. Okay. That, it, you know, in my mind, this is how I would envision it working. All the different pieces working together. Um, and I always get the parts of it wrong, but the general concept is what's important. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd gotten a request from a family in Sacramento. It was a mom and a dad and two kids. And the mom was scared. She was being touched on her face at night. It was scaring her. It was waking her up. So, you know, it's very paranormal from the sounds of it, you know, that, that, you know, you don't just from the sounds of that, that's sounds like it's paranormal. So Anne happened to be the um, sensitive for that particular investigation. So of course she didn't go to the prelim. We didn't give her any of the information ahead of time. And we get to the location. She does her walkthrough and we have a debunker actually follow the sensitive and and, to, and record their impressions as they're going along. Because sometimes when the sensitive is walking through, whatever it is they're picking up on, that can that information can be helpful to the debunker as well, to kind of give mm-hmm. them clues as to what they could look at as well. Mm-hmm. So went and did their walkthrough, and she went and sat down with the homeowner. And the first thing out of her mouth was, so you're being touched on your face at night. And of course, her eyes got really big. And she started to describe who she saw mm-hmm. and come to find out it was mother of her mother who had passed. And, and like I said, I get the next part incorrect all the time. Mm-hmm. And the debunkers had gone through and found a gas leak. And I want to say an electrical issue, but again, I'm not, mm-hmm. it's been, it's been a while. Sure. And it was bad enough to where, you know, we had them contact the fire department and PG&E, I believe. And um, after we had left, they actually came out and assessed the situation, told them they needed to move. So they moved out of the house. And sure enough, as soon as they moved, guess what? The activity stopped. She no longer got touched on her face at night. Mom, who had passed, was trying to get family's attention to get them out of the house because the gas so it started off as something paranormal mm-hmm. in that sense but there was a rational explanation for the activity if that makes sense yeah it makes a lot of sense makes so of sense. all of the pieces of the team worked together to make this situation work the way i would envision a perfect investigation working you have mm-hmm. something that's paranormal. You have rational explanations for that activity. And they worked hand in hand. And, and um, we, got a, we got a letter from them about six months later thanking us for saving their lives and getting them out of there. So that, to me, would be like the perfect investigation. Do we, did we get a lot of evidence that we could show people to indicate 
you know, it was paranormal and, and what? No. But that wasn't the point. The point was the result. And I think a lot of times people get caught up in the situation. They want to prove. They want all this evidence that is going to blow people away. And mm -hmm. for me, I'd rather have an investigation where we could do something like this and we get no evidence whatsoever that's paranormal in nature to show to mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Because the result is what was, what was important. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is why, you know, I do this. It's for those kind of results. It's not anymore. It's not to prove things anymore because people have already made up their minds one way or the other, whether or not they believe their place is haunted or not. They want confirmation. They want someone to listen to them. They want something, some kind of result. Mm -hmm. So that for me, that's, that's at least in terms of what we do as a team, that's, that's uh, the perfect investigation. Absolutely. Uh, that is, yeah, absolutely. You, when, you, when you do an investigation like that, or even let's say a paranormal investigation that, that you guys are able to prove, I know with us, there's certain cases that, 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 that we've done where we've come out feeling really good. It, it makes you feel good because you're helping people. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the whole point. It's like, that's, that's why we, and once we, once we had that shift, mm -hmm. um, you saw the Opera House photo that Ann got at Woodland Opera House. Right, right. <laughs> um, and that kind of what started everything because before we were dead set to prove everything to everybody. I mean, it was exhausting sometimes trying to get people to believe. Mm -hmm. And we got that photo and people, of course, right away said it was photoshopped. It was faked. Right. It was, you know, we tried to recreate it. I was there that day when we got it. Mm -hmm. And... At that point, you know, the light bulb kind of went on. It's like, oh, I don't need to prove anything to anybody. Because uh -huh. yeah, there's people that are going to believe. There's people that aren't going to believe. And then there's people that are in between. Uh -huh. Our job is just to give them information and say, here it is. You decide. Because you already pretty much have. So it, it takes all the pressure off of you as a team trying to go in and constantly trying to prove things to people that are either going to believe or aren't going to believe. Uh -huh. So we go in. This is what we find. Here it is. You decide. And I think we get better results that way, too. Mm -hmm. Because I think people spend a lot of time trying to prove things to others. And they focus so much on that that they lose sight of what it is that they're actually doing. Right. Right. So, you know, if and it takes time, I mean, because when people start doing this, they all kind of start in the same place, trying to prove the paranormal exists, capturing mm -hmm. that evidence showing it to everybody else so that they can have that information. And it's not necessary because it's, it's, it's a, it's a, you're never going to win that fight. No. Um, so I think ever since we've started doing it that way, it's taken all the pressure off of us and it's the investigations have gotten better because of that. Right. Right. I agree with you there. You know, I think there's always going to be somebody out there, no, no matter what you get, how good it is, or how good you think it is, there's always going to be somebody out there that's going to, de you know, debunk that. There's somebody that wasn't with you on the case, which mm -hmm. sucks because they don't know what actually transpired on that case. You know, like when somebody sends me, if another group sends me a, a picture or a video, and it's not obviously a, you know, a web or something, a spider web that, that's obvious to, to see, I have no right really commenting on the 
on the video because I wasn't there. I don't know what transpired. I don't know what steps they took to, to not, you know, I'm not, I don't know whether poison the photo, you know what I mean? Compromise yeah. the photo or whatever. I, that's not my place to, to, to do that because I mean, all the time, you know, doing this 18 years and the people that have come after me for stuff or come after you guys for stuff saying, Oh, it's all fake, fake, fake. But I agree with you hundred percent on that. And that's what we do too. Now is we're just to the point now where we get what we get. People don't like it. You know, and the sense of themselves, they, you know, they all, all the new ones tend to worry about being right and wanting to have, get information right. And it's like, mm -hmm. stop putting all that pressure. It's just go in, do how you do it, whatever you get, you get, and just let them know. And once they do that, I think it kind of takes the pressure off of them too, because the more that they do it, the more comfortable they get, the better results they're going to get. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, Really, the biggest thing is time and experience. How long have you been doing it, and how much you know? How much experience are you, have, do you have with it, and how much trial and error have you put into it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many teams out there that want to be right, and you know, they want to prove everything, and you know, there's a niche for everybody. I think, right. especially yeah. now that the internet's been here for so long. Do you think, um, like out in the field, and you know, Janelle was always good at getting photos. Always good. So, do you think there's you know there's there's people like like investigating that have certain knacks, you know, that, that are able to get certain types of things like photos and 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 audio and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I think there's people that are naturally good at it. They just you know it's it's a lot. It's practice. There there are those people that that come in. They have no experience really, and then they're really good at it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and you know there there's. You know, that happens sometimes where you have people that are really good with certain things mm -hmm. and it's just it's just a knack. I mean, they've never done it before, but we've had some really good people that come in that were good at debunking mm -hmm. that, you know, we really didn't think, OK, this is. But they, they had that ability. Mm -hmm. um, and then you get people that come in that are really good with the equipment, mm -hmm. never really having done the equipment before, but they just seem to have this knack for doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times they have to learn the equipment over time, but there are those occasions where there are people that just come in and happen to be, pick up something right away and they, they really, are, you know, take to it. So I think there are those people that, that have that ability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going along that line, EVPs. Do you think that, I know Anne does a lot of your EVP work. I do a lot of my EVP work. I'm an empath. You know, I do a lot of that work. Do you think it helps to have a psychic doing that? I think it, it it can because I think a lot of the times there's that communication that can happen subconsciously mm -hmm. and a lot of times it can help direct the questioning that that happens during those sessions. Mm -hmm. So I think it does help, you know, especially even if you look at dousing, mm -hmm. you know, it helps to have someone that has a connection already that can and they're getting that information and they can kind of lead the, the process. And then it, it go, it can go in lots of different directions depending on what information they're picking, you know, they're perceiving or, or mm -hmm. taking in. Mm -hmm. I, I think, like I said, there's a lot of teams that don't like sensitives, but I think it's, it's just another piece. It's an important piece because I mm -hmm. think there's a lot of stuff that they do that you can't really prove to other people per right. se. But there's so much information that they get that is helpful with the process. Oh, absolutely. I agree 100% with that. You know, it's like I, try, I like to tell people, when I walk into an old building, 
Yeah, I've got a sensitive with me. I can at least tell who we're, who and what we're dealing with, who you know who we're talking to, because you don't want to like wave cell phones at somebody from the 1800s because they're not going to have a clue what you're talking about. You know, so it's much <laughs> easier to get trigger objects and everything out, you know, for somebody from the yeah. 1800s. And I know that a lot of times when we go places, you know, Anne is doing that already. She's going in and I can tell when she's, you know, ex you know, she's experiencing the location. Yeah. And she gets that certain look in her eyes and you can tell she's somewhere else. And, you know, and, and that's that's what she does. I mean, right. so it can help, you know, especially if we're, you know, we're just out and about. We're not really investigating per se, but. She's mm -hmm. still experiencing those locations, no matter what we're doing. So it, it's so important. And I think there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they want to just do the scientific piece of it. That's fine. Right. But there's so many other pieces that they could be doing that, you know, could help them out so much more. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, taking that piece on and, and giving it a try. Because we, I never knew starting out that I was ever going to have the kind of teams that I would have. Mm -hmm. Uh, it just started off as me with a bunch of equipment, not knowing what I was doing in a, in a location. Sure. So over time, you start to, you know, bring people in, and they have these experiences, and it's like, oh, that could that could be very helpful. And then that I think that's how those things kind of come about. And I, you know, that's I'm sure you've had a lot of that with your team too. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Where you get people that have certain abilities and and interests, and they add that piece to your team that oh. I didn't have that before, and it's nice to have that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I've even found it with, like, cases, like you say, with dealing with children. You know, there's certain members of the team that deal with children. <coughs> and mm -hmm. those are the people you like going out to, to deal with those cases because, it, because they can connect better. I mean, I work so much with kids that they're drawn to me, whether they're, you know, dead or alive. <laughs> so <clears throat> that's just how it is, but... Um, I think everybody has their own, you know, their own niche and their own um, area that they're comfortable exploring. Mm -hmm. um, and I think over time, seeing other people doing, you know, doing certain tasks, you know, it opens up other people to maybe trying different things. Because I think you can get really comfortable with equipment, but if that's all you're really doing, that's, that's you know, that's where you're staying. Mm -hmm. You know, there's other areas you might have sensitive abilities, but if you don't explore it, you're never going to know if it's going to be something that, you know, you might be good at or want to do. So people will get comfortable and stuck in their routines and sometimes we'll mix it up on them and say, hey, no, you're going to do this tonight. So something different than what they're used to. Mm -hmm. It's good to make them uncomfortable at times because I think they, they tend to pay more attention when they're uncomfortable with doing something like that mm -hmm. because they'll get comfortable in a task. They're used to doing it. And then they're just kind of like sometimes they'll you know, things don't get done the way they typically would. Whereas mm -hmm. if they're doing something new, they have to focus on it more and pay attention to it more. So there tends to be more, um, it's more structured for them. They have to, they have to put, give their attention to it and do a better job with it. So sometimes it's fun just to, just to really give them like total opposite ends of the spectrum tasks that, that, other than what they're used to doing mm -hmm. and just see how they do. Mm -hmm. Now I've been out with you guys in the past, and uh, at times you have used two psychics on staff or sensitives on staff. Mm -hmm. Are you still doing that, or how does that work? Um, a lot of times that will depend on the size of the location. So if it's a really big location, 
um, you definitely want two of them there so that they can kind of start. Because sometimes we'll have them start at opposite ends or different floors and then kind of work opposite because everybody's different. So the sensitives will pick up information differently. So having that extra information to present can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, especially if the location is large. If it's a smaller location, you know, we typically will use one. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the location is big enough and calls for it, then it makes more sense to have two. And then I would like to have even like, you know, almost two separate teams in a sense. Because mm-hmm. um, then you can compare the, the information that both sets of teams are getting, you know, as they switch. And sometimes that can be just just interesting to see what what they pick up because sometimes one team will get a certain set of information and the other team will get something totally different. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of that has to do with you know response. You know, is the activity responding to someone differently than the other person? Or you know, there's a lot of different things that go into it. Right, right, right. So typically, on those on those larger locations is where we tend to have more than one sensitive. You know, unless it's unless they're training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you ever used a remote psychic uh, before an investigation? Just somebody that would say, "Look at a picture of the building," and you know, let you know what what they pick up, and then Anne goes in and what or whatever. Uh, we've had locations where actually Anne has done some remote mm-hmm. psychic mm-hmm. work. If she wasn't able to actually be there physically, mm-hmm. so sometimes she can actually step in and do some of that. Um, I don't think a lot of the other senses are as comfortable with it or, or they they practice it as much. Mm-hmm. So I think she would be the one kind of to do some of that. But yeah, I mean, we've done some of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, I always found it interesting because, you know, Nancy Master, there's a lot of my remote stuff. Like I'll send her a picture of a house or building and say, look, you know, can you see stuff going on here? You know, I, I don't know if there's stuff going on, but, you know, let me know what you see out of this. And what I find interesting is that the accuracy is, is terrific. I mean, especially when Sabrina <laughs> was on the team. And um, I remember Nancy would do these reads. I would never tell Sabrina what Nancy got. Sabrina would come in and they were almost verbatim with the stuff that was going on. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's all, it's just trying a lot of different things like that and just seeing what's working and what's not. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and again, it depends on location. It depends on time. It depends on a lot of different factors. Mm-hmm. You know, are they, how tired are you when you're going in, you know, um, how far away is the location? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of different variables that, that come into play with that. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's another question you just brought up, health. Now, do you feel that people with health problems should not do this? Because, I mean, they're taking a pound. And, I mean, some of these ghosts are relentless and wanting to touch you and, and all this other stuff. So do you think people that have health problems should stay away from this? Or they should um, come in you know, when they're feeling decent, or or what do you think about that? I think I think it depends on what kind of health problems they're having. You know, if mm-hmm. it's a chronic condition, maybe not. You know, <clears throat> um, obviously somebody like you know if they have cancer or something where you're requiring um, treatments to where it can um, exhaust you and make you more tired, mm-hmm. they may not necessarily want to. But if it's you know I I've gone out after I've had surgery on my, you know, foot surgery or things like that. And I've been in locations where I'm, I'm physically tired, mm-hmm. but I'm also able to still at least go in and kind of, you know, be there. 
So I think it really depends on the condition and the person. I mean, if they're able to, you know, do it and want to investigate, I don't think there's, there's anything that really can stop them per se. Um, you know, unless it's something that a a condition that's really going to tire them out or they're already exhausted and their immune system is, is weak, then that's, Mm -hmm. that may be a time where they may not want to. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't think there's anything that can really stop people from investigating, you know, if they're if they have the ability. Mm-hmm. I know with my congestive heart failure, I backed off on doing a lot of investigating. Mm-hmm. I'm like, the, you know, I'm at the command center with the monitors, keeping an eye on everything. But there are times when I when I do feel good enough to go in on some cases. Mm-hmm. But, but a lot of the time, if I'm not feeling up to par, I will stay away and just just stay with the monitors. Yeah. And that's, and that's what, you know, you kind of have to judge how you're doing. Cause I, I know we've had people with various conditions that have participated. There's times where they're just not able to, and you know, times when they're really feeling good and they can go out and do it. So mm-hmm. I think it's just them keeping an, an eye on how they're doing and, and monitoring that themselves and, and really seeing where they're at. And, you know, like it, it could change, you know, some days you're feeling really, really good. And there's days where, you know, like you said, you're just not, you just can't because you're, you're physically not able to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but they also have to take care of themselves and, and um, make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to so that they have that option to be able to, you know, attend and participate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think, you know, because uh, we've been talking mostly about the logical side of investigating, do you think that that needs to get out more to, to people, the public? You know, as far as what, what what we do as investigators, that we're going to look at both sides. We're not just going to come in and say, "Hey, you got a ghost here." I, I think it. I think it's important. Um, the problem with a lot of the shows is they don't necessarily show that side of it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, you know, it's very powerful because that's what people see. That's what they think. So a lot of times, it's educating people and saying, "Hey, there is a whole other side of this. That's mm-hmm. that's logical." That looks at you know rational explanations as opposed to just all paranormal, mm-hmm. um, and I think it, it's it's something that I think a lot of teams could benefit from if they, you know, allow themselves the opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. Because I know before us, you know, before we were doing it, there always seemed like there was you know something missing, mm-hmm. um, and I know for a long time we were investigating and we didn't have the debunking side of it, mm-hmm. and it always felt like there was just something was missing. You know, we. Because you go to an investigation, you know, nothing's happening. And I go, okay, this is it. You know, you almost kind of feel empty in a, in a sense. Mm-hmm. But once you add that piece in, it really complements everything else. Mm-hmm. And kind of helps bring everything together, I think. Like it did with that case that, you know, I mentioned earlier. Right. right. So I think it's important for people to keep an open mind and and look at, you know, a variety of, of uh Options. I know there's a lot of teams out there that don't use sensitives. There's a lot of teams that, you know, only want to do equipment. You know, there's teams out there that have, you know, ordained ministers and priests on their teams and, you know, delve into that side of it, which, you know, we don't handle the demonic cases. That's not Uh our forte. Uh Um, But yeah, I think it's, it's, it's something that a lot of teams, it would help bridge that gap that I think a lot of teams may have. Uh Mm-hmm. That probably is my next question about debunkers. Do you think that, I mean, I know there's, there's, de- there's some debunkers that have open minds, you know, about the paranormal, but there's also quite a few out there that don't have that open mind. 
how do you handle that when you get somebody on there that's just like this? Well, I think it it it's funny because they're actually still there. You would think that someone who had such a uh, hardline, you know, skeptic would not want to do it at all. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting that they're even there at all to begin with because we've had some. And I just keep it like, you know what, this is your function, do it the best, you know, because I know they're going to give it their all. Mm -hmm. And I'll get really good debunking information from them. Mm -hmm. So it's still very useful. They don't have to believe in what the other side's doing and vice versa. I think I've had people that were sensitive that didn't really, you know, couldn't understand the debunking side of it. So they kind of stay on their sides and just kind of do what they do. And I think over time, they start to see things that happen that they can't explain, and it kind of brings them together a bit more. Mm-hmm. I think if they're on the team for any length of time, it's going to happen like that because mm-hmm. the debunker is going to experience something that they can't explain, and it's going to baffle them. The sensitive is going to see something natural that happens, and then they're both kind of going to realize, oh, it's not just me. You know, I'm not stuck in this box where this is my function and there can't be any other possibilities. Mm-hmm. I think over time it's it's going to happen and it has happened mm-hmm. to where, mm-hmm. you know, those two sides will kind of mesh a bit. Not saying totally, but they can mesh to where they can they can kind of complement one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. What do you say to people that want to start a team now? How should they go about it? Um, I mean, the good thing is there's so much information out there now with the internet. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of bad information. I, I think it, I would start by finding a team out there based on where you are. See if they're accepting new members, you know, check out the website, find out, you know, what they do, how they do it. And if that kind of falls in line with your philosophy, contact them, reach out, because the worst thing they can say is no. I know that teams are always looking for people, so... If you're passionate about this and this is something you really want to do, find a team and, and join and, and get started. Um, that's what I had to do because when I first moved to California, I joined a team and we did nothing. Mm-hmm. We would sit around, we would talk about things we were going to do, and we never really did anything. Mm-hmm. So at that point, that's when I, I broke off and formed my own team. And, and you know, it, it attracts like-minded people, people that want to investigate. It's, it's amazing how you have a team and all of a sudden you get all these people that want to join and mm-hmm. they have the sim, you know, similar interests. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going out there and making contact. The hardest part is, you know, making that first contact with the team. Cause you want to, they want to put their good, you know, good foot forward. They want to, they don't want to sound stupid. They don't want to sound crazy, you know, but they want, they want to have that excitement. Mm-hmm. And that excitement is what really does help the team is when you bring somebody in new that's that's brand new and they're excited. Mm-hmm. They want to learn. They want to go out and do it. That's kind of where I'm at now where I, I really enjoy those people because that's how I was at one point. Right. Um, right. Yeah. I was totally excited that there were people that wanted to do this just like I did. Mm-hmm. And we would go out and investigate and, and, and it was, it was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, my focus has shifted today, but I, but that's the kind of people that I enjoy now seeing is that those, those people that are new that are really excited and they have a passion for it. They want to learn. They want to do it. Mm-hmm. So they're easy to teach. Um, 
and that's what I, you know, if they want to join, they just need to make that, make that, send that email or make that call and, and just do it. Mm-hmm. How many investigations do you guys average a year? You know, uh, lately, not as, not as many as we used to. It's just, you know, you, you have a family of kids and all of a sudden, you know, things kind of slow down a bit. <laughs> um, Right now, it's not. I, I can't say it's a lot right now. I know we 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 used to average. I would say there, you know, years ago when we were doing it quite consistently and, and all the time before kids, um, we were doing it pretty much every weekend at one point. Um, at least, um two to four a month, I would say pretty regularly. Um, Sometimes some months it would be, you know, six to eight, depending on, you know, the month and and, um, what the areas were that we were covering. So there was, I mean, for and and this is steady for years that we were doing that. Um, You know, Anne would get off work. She was constantly updating the website and, and, you know, contacting people and making connections and networking and it's a never-ending thing right as you know yeah doing a, a radio show as much as you do i mean i look on there i'm like wow she's doing another you've got another three guests on there <laughs> i'm like when do you sleep i don't <laughs> i don't wow. honestly so but- you know you know you've got the team and you know you guys are doing your investigations and you know so it gets to be a lot and we were a non-profit we were a 501c3 Mm-hmm. And I remember I started that and it was it was a lot of work. It was, um, you know, board meetings and monthly meetings and team meetings and, you know, prelims and investigations and evidence review. And, you know, it was just never ending mm-hmm. and media stuff. And, you know, I look back now and I'm amazed that we did as much as we did. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, you know, I'm a bit more picky about what I do if it's. You know, if it's something I want to do, if it sounds fun, I'll do it. But especially if it's a family with kids involved, I will, I will do those. You know, I will drop everything and do those. Mm-hmm, those are the most important ones to me. Is when you know there's kids involved. Absolutely, absolutely, I agree. Well, how 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 can people find you? Well, they can come to our website. It is www.benderparanormal.com. Okay. And um, like I said, my wife maintains that site. Um, yeah, and if people are wanting to join, and I, I, I like teaching people too. Uh-huh. I guess more how to investigate too. I like that side of it, uh-huh. making sure that they understand it. And I'm just, yeah, you know, my background is in teaching too. So it's just kind of a natural thing that I do enjoy teaching people how to investigate, how to go in, um, equipment, things like that. I remember we used to teach at the um, learning exchange when that was still around. Right. And those classes were fun because there were people that had a genuine interest that maybe not necessarily wanted to investigate. But they wanted to hear the stories and places we'd been to. So that was, you know, it was a fun time to be able to, to talk about locations and things like that, that we'd been to and explored, you know, Stanley hotel, um, uh, Waverly Hills, you know, places we'd been able to go to. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun just to be able to share that because people 
people, I mean, there's so many people that are interested in the paranormal. They all want, they all have stories and they all want to hear the stories. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest things too. And I think that's why a lot of families contact us because they want us to hear their story because mm-hmm. they don't want to tell just anybody so that they think they're crazy. You know, they want to get their story out. It's cathartic in a way. If I can at least get this out, you know, out, then it, you know, they feel better about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Dave, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. Absolutely. All right. You have a great holiday and the rest of your evening. All right. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank, bye. thank you again. Bye. All right. Yep. I've known Dave for a long time and I uh, was on his team for a while and uh, he's a good guy. He's good people. Okay, tomorrow Nancy Mass will be with us, and we're going to be talking about the difference between ghosts and poltergeist activity. So that'll be something you want to tune into at 6.30 p.m. Pacific tomorrow. For those of you that uh, are into solstice and are into uh, Mercury retrograde, Nancy's going to be doing readings on Sunday for uh, people that sign up, and uh, and uh, that'll be a 10-minute re- up to 10-minute reading with Nancy Mass in a semi-private environment here on here on StreamYard. Uh, we're not going to be broadcasting off of Facebook or any place like that. So you'll have a, a semi-private room to hear whatever results she gets. Um, this is one of those deals where, uh, you know, I can't talk today. Retrograde and and solstice are kind of like New Year's to where it's out with the old and in with the new. So you have the opportunity to look back on maybe something that, that, that you've been wondering about from the past, right now, or the future, or even maybe one of your deceased relatives comes in. But Nancy will... Um, do a reading on that. So if, this, if that's something you're interested in, visit the California Haunts Meetup page. It's California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team Meetup page. Go to events and you can find that reading. And I think that I believe there's a link in the description for this show. All right, guys, I'll see you tomorrow, uh, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a great evening.